1: Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Coming up on Monday morning. It's October 16th. Uh, and I've got two guests for this episode. Uh, we'll talk about the Wolves preseason game uh, in New York against the Knicks that they won on Saturday night. And we'll kind of do that by answering five Wolves questions that I've put together, which maybe is a hint at who the surprise guest is. Timberwolves beat writer, Chris Hind. Not the surprise guest. (laughs) the surprise guest. (laughs) Regular Um,
2: Monday guest here.
1: Regular Monday guest, Chris Hine, who had a wonderful suggestion that we bring on. The one and only Lord Kilby. (laughs) Thank you. Greg
3: Kilbourne. How are you? Well, it looks like we have different backgrounds. Was I supposed to be in a uh, boring white room? <laughs> hey, we're, we're still getting things started here. What, what the
1: hell is going on? What is that behind you? Is that a...
3: That's a uh, Conquistador lamp. And It's very pricey. I was going
1: to say, that might cost more than my entire apartment. So.
2: <laughs> this is just called like downtown Minneapolis uh, boring
1: guy yep. decor. Well, so I have my girlfriend's desk is behind me over there. We share an office mm-hmm. space. So I've had people say to me, like, oh, why don't you have stuff like up on the wall behind me? Because if I had like a picture of Kevin Garnett up there, then my girlfriend would need to be looking at Kevin Garnett five days a week, which I promise you she does not want to do.
3: Anything is possible. Anything
1: is (laughs) possible. Anything is possible. Um, So, okay, this was Chris's idea to have Craig back. Craig was on a couple of weeks ago. Chris explained why you and Craig have been reconnecting of late
2: we are both massive fans of the show Frasier. i think we think it's the best sitcom ever made um it's my favorite of all time i just re-watched the whole thing uh in time for the i guess reboot uh revamping sequel whatever they want to term it that just came out on on paramount plus uh this past week to mixed reviews (laughs) we'll we'll get into that a little a little in a little bit um but we we share a a great passion for just how brilliant that that show is and and it's one of the few shows that i can just watch over and over again makes me laugh the same episodes make me laugh as hard as they did when i first saw them in the same spots like it's 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 really I, i think a magical show to me at least
1: so yeah. Craig, I, I was explaining to Chris that I, so I did the same thing last summer. Where I rewatched all of Seinfeld, and and I was just re- not even knowing that Chris was this huge Frasier fan, um, and being like, I that was like my thing. I watched the whole off season the summer before, and and he was just to me, he's like, you got to do Frasier next. You got to do Frasier next. And I said, which I've I mean, you know I've seen random episodes here and there, but I've never done it end to end. Do I do I need to watch? Frazier.
3: Well, it you know when I was working, I missed a lot of these uh, sitcoms because I when I was in college, I I liked Cheers. When I was growing up, I liked Jackie Gleason, The Honeymooners. But um, when I was working, my dad would call me and say, "You got to see Seinfeld. It's hilarious. You got to see it." And I didn't, I didn't watch it because I was working. So when I worked, I would only watch as an outlet. I would watch NBA games, live sporting sure. events, but I wouldn't watch sitcoms. And then I, when I left Late Night in two thousand four, I discovered uh, Frazier, and it's right up my alley. I mean, he's erudite, he's white collar, and 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 uh, <clears throat> I had had these guys on my show, and I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't I watch it because I would have been fawning over Jane Jane Leaves who played Daphne Moon because I fell in love with her, but uh, on the show, but I love Niles, I love Frazier, I love the writing, but. You know, the acting he's he went to Juilliard, uh, Kelsey Grammer, and I'm not he's just a normal guy in in real life. He's not, you know, he's not as funny as Ray Romano and Jerry Seinfeld, but he's he's he has a great voice. He can do Mm. he can do some impressions. He does James Mason, all this kind of stuff. So I just went crazy and I would watch we my, my girlfriend and I would watch it every night before we went to bed, like two episodes. So I it's 11 seasons. I've seen it four or five times through. However, I mentioned this to Chris. I texted. I, I The new Frasier did not do it for me. And I yeah. I stopped in the middle of the first episode and said, I'm done.
1: What if you brought that mentality to the Minnesota Timberwolves? <laughs> the I, Minnesota I, Timberwolves I, fandom, Craig. I, you wouldn't be here right
3: now. Well, I have it. And then I come back. You know, but, <laughs> uh, the Al Jefferson, Randy, four years took it. <laughs> take it out of me but no uh quickly my review is I uh, Frazier Kelsey's great he has a great voice he's a great actor uh I can't stand the nephew I don't like young people in general and um, uh so now as Chris said which is true he said the second episode gets better sometimes the first episode when they're setting things up the pilot episode is not is not that great but I was very disappointed and I had high expectations and that doesn't sound that doesn't make sense but my guys my old warm-up guys from my old late uh, late night show, I had coffee with them, and they were had warmed up the audience for the new Frasier uh, reboot. And they said, no, 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 nine out of the ten episodes are good. And maybe they were talking <laughs> maybe, about the next Maybe nine. the first one, yeah. yeah. But I'm disappointed, and I'm sorry, Chris, but if I see it, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it now. I, I, you listening. know, I, I i feel you. I, I, I went from
2: being very, very hesitant to embrace this um, to... As it got closer, I got more excited for it. And as I was doing my rewatch, I just got excited for the fact that Kelsey Grammer might be irrationally getting upset on my television screen again. Right. Like I, I was just excited at that prospect.
3: Right. Um, I, knew, I knew
2: David Hyde Pierce was not going to be a part of it. Yeah. They announced that uh, B.B. Neuwirth and Perry Gilpin were at least going to make guest appearances. So you have at least a little bit of the old guard right. coming back. Yeah. Um, but somebody on a, on a message board made a good point where they said, like, well, you know, if, if you had described Frasier after Cheers and no and like nobody was a part of Frasier, you know, in 1993, when they're making that show, everybody would have been out on it immediately. It's sure. like, why, why are we following Frasier Crane to Seattle mm-hmm. and this whole new cast of people? Nobody from Cheers is there, you know why would we be investing in this? So I, I, I had an open mind. I, I want to have yeah. an open mind with this and I, I'm giving it a shot because of that. And the fact that they are seemingly trying to at least make this the next step in Fraser Crane's life. I mean we have a 20 year gap where
3: right
2: you know they they, they summed up about a 20 year gap in his life in about two sentences in the in the pilot episode. Uh, but I will say the second episode did get better. I, I share your your uh angst about the the david character uh, which is just like trying to stand in for niles and what he brought right. to the show right. um but i will say i thought some of the interplay between kelsey and freddie in episode two got got better okay um yeah, there were there was, were some there were some subtle callbacks that i thought yeah. were well done as well um, so, hey, uh, so I, 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 am right. still in
1: on it a little bit.
3: I like, I'm the guy, I'm sure Dane's going to cut all this out. <laughs> right.
1: <one>. Like, but, <laughs> this has been uh sitcom talk <laughs> to the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Hey no. man, I,
3: I'm, I'm about it. I want to
1: know, like, if you ever think we are going to, uh, both of you, like, are we going to get a, anything close to like the sitcom heyday we had of like 20 years ago? Like, why can't that be a popular thing in particularly today when there's i mean think about how many terrible things we're watching like on netflix and all these streaming sessions we just have it right at our fingertips it's like it's just surprising to me that there isn't really anything that approaches the many shows in the 90s early 2000s
3: yeah i think the because of all the streaming services you don't have you know the big things on nbc like the the remake of the office you know the american version of the Office. Yeah. All the young people I know, my nieces, they just love that. And I know Modern Family was really popular. Right. But mm-hmm. after that, you I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it's set up that way. Right. Both of those didn't have a laugh track or a live audience. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm saying it probably won't happen because the shows that the people really mm-hmm. grab onto are like Secession and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or like the really stupid stuff like... I watched some love is blind this weekend and <laughs> I just can't believe that's where we're at. Like yeah. that's, <laughs>
3: sorry, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I'm yeah, that, 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 that I actually, I actually
1: respect yeah. you uh, for that.
2: Uh, I, was... the, um, I, I don't know. It's just it, humor has always been a subjective thing, but it did seem like, you know, at one point you know, you're like throughout the most of television history, America, whether it was because you only had three or four channels in the sixties and seventies to, you know, a limited number of channels. It seemed like you, you, we had a collective sense of humor. And now because of all cable and then the streaming, mm-hmm. everything just got fragmented. And, you know, you're, you're also not forced to watch like, Oh, Seinfeld is one of the only things on, sure. all in the family is one of the only things on television or the Mary Tyler Moore show, um, which happened to be great shows. But those were also the only things people could watch back right. then, too. So, um,
1: all right, that was that was sitcom talk. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm all about I, it.
2: I, I, Craig and I are going to do. I, I want to ask Craig his top five Ranger episodes, but we could do that after that. No, yeah, no, oh. let's 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 do that at the
1: end of the episode. Let's do yeah, it at yeah. End yeah. Of the episode. We don't have. We'll, I mean, get, we'll let him stew on it a little bit. Yeah, we don't. We don't have that much old stuff to talk about. Well, we did have a game uh, on Saturday. Uh, so it's interspersed some, some thoughts on that, but I, I think just broadly having watched these three games, right? Like granted it's preseason or whatever, but I, I don't, what more could have you really wanted right out of this Wolves team outside of maybe, I don't know, Ant missing a game, Jaden missing a couple of these games. Broadly, I think this has been a really encouraging first 12 quarters of uh, of Timberwolves basketball. So my my first question, and I guess I'll direct this to you, Craig, is what in these first three preseason games has excited you most about this group for this season?
3: Well, Cats playing well, um, which is great. And um, I should say prior to the preseason, I, I have a lot of optimism for the Wolves, where I'm kind of privately saying, although I texted you guys, I'm... <laughs> I said I was picking or predicting a top four finish in the West, and I'm tweaking that to saying, just to be cautious, I'm hoping for a top four finish in the West. <laughs> I wanted to have home court in the first round. And I know the West is is uh, stacked, and I also know that it's it's fairly even, but I just felt like last year I felt we were better than the Sacramento Kings. We always beat them. They finished third. um. So I really watched the Knicks game hard. Um, unfortunately, I'm now I'm at a point where now I'm picky and I'm concerned about things because I have these high expectations. Mm-hmm. And you, you, I think you said you rewatched the first half. In the second half, Rudy twice uh, had a defensive rebound in his grasp. And Mitchell Robinson took it away from him twice. Yeah. And he looked slow. And my thing is, wait a second has he always been this slow or is he slowing down Rudy? You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I love the fact that we have a rim protector and we're good on, uh, good on team defense, mm-hmm. but I'm worried about, you know, what is he? 31. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about Rudy a little bit. And, uh, can I give you my other concern? Yeah. Okay. Go my ahead. Other, Cause I just want to tell you, so everyone has an issue with cat and I think, um, I think he's very gifted. I loved our game five at, at Denver, um, where we lost, but we were in it. Um, you know how Tim Duncan and Jokic—they just make plays to win. That's—they're they're just thinking about winning, and they think the game. I think Cat thinks about how talented he is, and I can't wait to show how talented I am on offense. I—I can't—I can shoot left hand. I can do automatic jump hooks. I can drive, and I—I I have a feathery three. And I don't think he thinks about the winning the small little winning plays and now i'm okay with that because he's so talented as long as we have a as long as we have mike Connolly and jade mcdaniels and anthony edwards and surrounding him but that sometimes concerns me sure. um and one more thing and then I'll, I'll stop but no, is is um yeah i love fitchy i love the the free flowing uh the ball movement i'm a i'm i'm i have an issue with turnovers we had three in a row yeah, at the Knicks. Bad. This is just a preseason game. Craig, relax. I, I get it. but <laughs> This is a safe free, space <clears throat> for, yeah. for deep dives. <laughs> when it's free-flowing, um, guys that are just average passers might be trying passes they can't make. So mm-hmm. those are a few observations. I, I'll just kind of
1: bounce off that and send to you, Chris. I, 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 Thinking about that question, what excites me most or what I think has been most exciting, I also said, cat and kind of related to what you were saying, Craig, is like, I like the ball movement that has come off of like cat initiated plays, right? It's the, it's the pump and go. And then another defender comes and I'm seeing Carl like actually just make the straight right-handed pass to the corner and it's swing, swing. And you're getting these good looks for Mike or Ant because, right, we always say the over the head yanking pass or whatever, which is like, I think we we do that to to a point where we've, like, degraded the quality of the passer that Cat is. Cat is not a Jokic-level passer. I think he tries to do that sometimes. And then in that, when he tries to look like Jokic, it makes it seem like he's overall not a good passer. When, in fact, he's probably one of the best passing four or fives um, in the league. And I think what I'm seeing in these first three games is, like, making the simple pass or just it's not necessarily even simple. It's kind of hard to like get going full speed, slow yourself down, throw a dime to the corner. Like that's not a hard pass, but it's an easier and more efficient, effective pass than, you know, some of the crazy slings uh, that we've seen in the past because yeah, broadly turnovers, broadly ball movement leads to turnovers. Ball movement is good. Turnovers are bad, but they're, they're cousins, Right. And the Wolves are trying to kind of navigate that balance, or that's Finch's style, I think, is is navigating that balance. And I'm really encouraged about what Carl has looked like specific um, to that. What about for you, Chris? What do you think has been exciting from this first I three? kind of
2: shared a, a – I guess I had kind of Craig's eye where I was kind of nitpicking in this game more than sure. I was in, in the first two. Um, I, I did like how they get into, into stuff early in the offense. They seemed to really – uh, Conley seems to be getting them into the like whatever that initial action is pretty quickly. So I think this mm-hmm. kind of whole structure, free flowing thing is working well. I say that with the caveat of the turnovers concern me. Um, you know that that first quarter was was kind of ugly. Um, the thing that I noticed a couple different times uh, throughout the the game when when Aunt Carl and Rudy were on the floor together, um, we talk a lot about how you know Rudy can clog things up in the lane especially for Ant and take away you know maybe his ability to drive and I did notice a couple different times where Rudy was kind of in the dunker spot kind of around the lane and Ant just seemed hesitant to drive to the basket or he pulled up for a mid-range when in other situations he might have taken it all the way to the basket so it's not as if Ant is like driving and all of a sudden it's getting clogged I think what happens with Rudy on the floor sometimes is, Ant, it takes away his will to want to drive, right. and I don't think, and I don't think that's completely gone away, as we as we enter the season. So that that's going to be something I'm going to be watching early on is, how often does Anthony Edwards take it all the way to the basket when Rudy Gobert is on the floor? Because mm-hmm. I did notice a couple times in that Knicks game where he just pulled up from 15 feet or or whatever it was instead of trying to go all the way to the basket.
1: I, I do think it has been encouraging, though, to see that, you know, Rudy's thinking about that. Right. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I'm watching, it is more of that intention of like floating in more of that short corner area or whatever, because it's like if Ant or Cat like start barreling downhill here, like I can't be here. I think that's on his mind. It's also just going to always be kind of difficult to not be in the way. Right. Because you're this seven foot two guy with the seven, eight wingspan or whatever. You're just big. Um, But, yeah, I think those are the things that kind of get, in theory, washed out over the first month or so of the season as they figure out uh, some more of that balance. you have a response to that, Craig?
3: Well, I was just thinking a bigger picture thing. As as Chris says, nitpicking, I totally agree. (laughs) Because the expectations are so high. Because part of me says, I don't know if we're going to have the same roster next year. The time is now. And I'm also I can throw it out to you guys. What does Con? What does Mike Conley have left? What does Rudy have left? They might have three years left. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is I'm putting pressure myself on. We have, we have talent. I think we have a stacked starting five. Uh, we haven't gotten to shake Milton yet, who I love. But <laughs> I I want this is the year, and I I keep saying whenever I look, <clears throat> even with the Vikings. I apologize for bringing up the football, but. I always look to see who's the best team out there. Can we compete? So I think I know we can compete with Denver. Now, I don't know how close we can get to them, but I sometimes think we can outplay them. So to win a championship, sometimes I'll say, you know, a couple of years ago, so, well, you're never going to beat the Warriors anyways. you know. But yeah. this year, I just don't see it. I just don't see the dominant team uh, in the West. So I want to do it now. That put, so that puts more pressure on us to do the right thing, to, to play well immediately if mm-hmm. that makes sense.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think that's kind of a interesting proposition of like some, some, a couple of different people asked me on, on Saturday at, at the thing at Fallen knife. It's like, what, what team in the West do you think the wolves match up worst with, which I think is like kind of a way of saying what you're saying, right? Craig, where you're like, well, we know Denver's really good and probably just better than Minnesota, but you don't, you in that matchup, you don't go like this, Roster to roster is a bad matchup for this team. If anything, the playoff series last year gives you some confidence that like they can do some funky things with Kat and Gobert on Jokic. I like, got a minimum there, right? Didn't really seem like they had anybody to guard Ant. So it's like kind of removing Denver from from that equation of what team matches, do, like the Wolves, maybe match up poorly within the West. And I was like, I'm going to need to think about that. And I obviously probably got to think about it a little bit more. But my only real answer was the Lakers in the sense that like for the Wolves to be good this year, right? They need to impose that physicality, impose that size. And I think against most teams in the West, they can, right. Just because they're bigger, the Lakers will match size with this team without really losing a lot of athleticism there either. Right. With AD and even, even like LeBron, that's, that's one of those rare matchups where Jaden is smaller than the guy he's guarding. And, Something like that. So that that's that's the team I'm leading to, in the uh, the idea where the Wolves maybe match up worst with, uh, and we'll kind of I guess figure that out over the course of the season. But I'm I'm with you, Craig. Where it's not like this thing where there's a Warriors team out there like there has been in the past where like, and eh, kind of no matter what, I don't know how that they would ever have Th- that 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 team isn't really isn't really out there you feel you feel that way chris
2: i feel like i feel like craig is craig is on this something here because it's something i've thought about and i was even thinking about this this past weekend where this is the time is now for yeah, this man. group like like yeah. and so when i hear like you know the with front this office, stuff
1: with this jade right. stuff like in the background it kind of turns your head on right where you're like
2: yeah like this that's gonna be this a lot is, of money so yep. is, right so when i hear when i hear like you know the, the front office and people say, well we, we want to get to the second round i'm like <laughs> no like this is this is your time to really go for it like yeah. you're not going to have anthony edwards and jaden mcdaniels on rookie scale contracts to where you can surround them yeah. with higher price talent again mm-hmm. this team is going to look much different next season and in future seasons. So this the time is now. The Western Conference is open to the point where you can compete with the team that
1: just won the championship.
2: And this is the year to do it right no, now.
1: I I agree and and it's the idea to to get to shake Craig like mm-hmm. in the future they're probably not going to have the money to be able to like go get a Shake Milton to be your like ninth man, right? Like that's going to either be higher up in the pecking order or they're going to have no money to spend and For now, to Chris's point, when you have Jaden and Ant on this rookie scale contract, you can re-sign Nikhil Alexander Walker. You can you can sign you know Shake Milton. You still have Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley. Down the line, you're probably going to start losing some of those Mike Conleys, Kyle Andersons as they age out or their contracts expire, and not really have the means to go get a bench player like Shake or not. And I think again in these preseason games, we're realizing the value of that, what McKeel going to mean to this. And then specifically shake, we're all seeing him for the first time, but it, it, in theory, right, Craig, like the role that shake Milton should play we know is really important because that was supposed to be the Jalen Noel role last year. And Jalen wasn't able to deliver in that role to the degree that they wanted.
3: Yeah. I was a Jalen Noel fan, but I am one of those guys that, quickly will wash my hands and i did it last year of him i was done he didn't come through i never liked his defense he tried he was just one of those guys like malik beasley that would guard the guy but the guy would score easily yep but he could he could score uh you know but he couldn't shoot the couldn't shoot the three of the wide open threes i think he had one of the lowest percentages on wide open threes so um i'm excited for shake um I, I think he's solid on defense. He got burned a couple times the other night, but uh, you know he can score. I think he can pass, and uh, these are the kind of guys like when I used to watch the Wolves back in 2004 with you know with Spreewell and and KG and Sam Cassell. I like Trent Hassel a lot. I like these guys. That, he was a defensive specialist, but you need somebody off the bench to, to to carry the team or help the team. And I think he's I think he's a great addition. Um, the other thing I was going to say is we all say, this is the year. That means it's going to be more frustrating with losses. We're going to be, our expectations are high and we're going to be like, this is ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. on certain losses, it's going to hurt more than it did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we are expecting that. Well, how do you lose to this team? Even though, you know, we know the sub 500 problem, but, mm-hmm. uh, against those teams. So there's a lot of pressure on the wolves and it's going to, it's going to test us.
2: It feels like to me. It feels like Shake Milton is auditioning to be the starting point guard next year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with Mike Conley um, after this year. We know they're going to be up against the cap. Like this is, I feel like it's almost a one-year audition to see like Mm -hmm. how well does Shake Milton fit in, and could he potentially be your starting point guard if Mike Conley's not here next year?
3: I don't view this is my knee-jerk. I don't view him. At mm-hmm. this point, and I haven't seen him play that much. I've looked at his stats. I love his field goal percentage, etc. But mm-hmm. I don't view him as a starting point guard, but I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Like, I don't either.
2: I, think, I don't either. But I'm just saying with, with the, the way the roster is going to be constructed next right, year, right. You, might, you, you have to try to find value somewhere, mm-hmm. and he's already going to be on that contract right. for another year team option. So
1: that it's could just, be it's one reasonable. way where
2: they get right. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's reasonable to think that one of Mike Conley or Kyle Anderson won't be on this team next season based on the fact that they're on expiring contracts and the Wolves financial reality, right? Mm -hmm. And to that, those are two of your point guards in ways. Obviously, Mike is for sure and Kyle is kind of too. So if you do remove one of them, the need to varying levels is going to increase to have another ball handler. But I, I don't Finch approaches the point guard position funny where it's I think people look at Shake Milton. He's like, oh, six, 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 seven, 7 foot wingspan. You don't think of him as a point guard, but I think that's kind of the style of point guard that that Finch wants to have. I don't think not that he doesn't like his Mike Conley's or his J Max, right. To just be the more manager point guard. But I think he's open and comfortable with the idea that whether it's now or in the or in on the bench this season or in the future, that maybe the future point guard of this team isn't your prototypical point guard point guard, and maybe that's even Ant, right? Like Ant's a possibility um, in in that mix as well. Can I do another the, question?
3: The uh,
1: this oh you the, go first.
3: The great '80s, the great '80s Celtics team did not have a true point guard with Danny Ainge and Dennis Johnson, but but they had the greatest. Passing forward of all time, <laughs> <laughs> Nas, Reed? Yeah. Yeah. Nas Reed. That
1: was hey, that, that, was Nas, that, that is my ever, second
3: question. That's my second question. Is just Nas Reed? Question: Will mark. he ever make four three pointers in a game? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's look looked pretty smooth. Why that, not? I, I will say so again. Like particularly the the first half, I barely watched because the, the we were doing the event thing. So I, I'm re-watching. I did notice that Nas started like the first four possessions of the game, he fell over, which is just the, <laughs> the Nas thing that I think everyone knows that I'm a Nas stand believer, whatever. Uh, but man, that dude falls over all the time. And I'm like, oh, is this maybe going to be Nas look pretty good in those first two games? Is this going to be the first time where it's a little funky with Nas at the four? And then he goes out and makes, I think he made five threes, right? I, I had it up here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think he hit a he four in the first oh, half. Yeah. And he then, had, and then he, he hit a fifth yeah. one.
3: He was four for four at one point. Yeah, I
1: just, I just think like it's funny, you know. Where unfortunately haven't been having Jim Peterson and Michael Grady call these games, so it's NBA TV person X or the MSG, I think on that one. And nobody has any idea how Nas Reed plays basketball. It's just (laughs) like, like, oh yeah, interior force post player. I'm like, what? (laughs) What are you like? What are you talking about? Like, this is. And then and then they hit the three, and the announcers are like, no way. I'm like, Nas Reed shoots threes just as often as Carl Anthony Towns does. That's a, actually more. It is just a statistical fact that it's not a flash in the pan. Nas Reed's been in the NBA for four years, shoots a ton of threes. He makes like 34% of them. Carl makes like 39 40% of them. But Nas shoots threes, and I've, I've always kind of, you know, Nas has that little sort of touch shot. I don't view him as like a pure, pure shooter. So I've never I've never really thought of the idea that he could be like a 40% guy. But I wonder like for this season, right, the best players he's ever had around him, are those looks all really clean? And does this year, is Nas a 38, 39% three-point shooter? I mean, Chris, what would that mean to this team if Nas can be that type of offensive floor spacer too?
2: Huge, and and I wonder what that means for the trajectory of the franchise moving forward. I was listening to you and Kyle go through your your very spicy takes uh yeah, nice. the other day, and I saw that you had you know that that Nas and Rudy um, yeah. might be a, a a really good pairing. And in my in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, well, if Nas and Rudy make for a really good pairing, what does that mean for Carl moving forward, or if Nas Small forward, just, if move if my, just, just move him down, just move him down, or if Nas can start shooting closer to 40 percent from three-point range i can't help but think like mm. what does that mean for carl long term and kind of how they view him can Nas then fill in right. as a reasonable facsimile of what carl can do for a fraction of the cost
4: and that's, that's where that's, that's where my head goes i can't sure. i can't
2: i know listen we've we've belabored carl Trade talk and and that's you know been on everybody's mind throughout the summer and will be until they settle this issue next offseason. But mm-hmm. I can't help but view Nas's development and growth in his game in the lens of what it means for Carl Anthony Towns moving forward, especially because of the contract that he's on compared to what Carl will mm-hmm. be making next year. So uh, if if the more the more Nas Reed improves, the more in the back of my mind I'm thinking like, does that mean? more and more that they could do without Carl moving forward and that Carl might be an expendable piece that that's kind of, that's literally a, that's how I view Nas, Yeah, Naz's growth and development. I, I can't separate the two
1: in my mind. And, and we can be kind of, there's not a ton of time, but there's, there's enough time to like the trade deadline. There's a ways away, right? We got like right. 50 games here before that, that even comes up. The next time you would even, the first time you'd even consider making any sort of roster change, mm-hmm. like, Let's see what Carl means for this offense. Another one of my spicy takes, I guess, was that I think this team is going to be better on offense this season than defense, when that wasn't even close to the case last season. And that would be that only happens with Carl being Carl plugged back into a better group, the best group he's ever been around. So we need to see Carl in this role at the four next to Rudy for an extended period of time next to Ant. And we also need to see Nas play the four which he's done very little of of in his career too like yeah I I said that about Nas and Rudy but Nas and Rudy have been terrible on the floor together they were terrible on the floor together last season they were so we need to see how that plays out before and and the point is is that there's time I think before you need to make any any of those decisions but it would be naive to not have it on your mind um, like you said Chris Um, what, what, what do you think about that Craig
3: well, I, I've gone on record saying I like Nas Reed. Everyone else loves him. I like him. I think it's great. My brother loves him, but he loved Eldon Campbell uh, from the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> Chris Gatling from the Warriors. Uh, but uh, but um, I think he comes off the bench and it's, he's free-flowing and he handles the ball well. He's quick. He surprises people going to the rim. but I see him do things that I go, you know, he'll make a spin move and throw up an awkward left-handed jump hook or something. So I don't, I don't think he's as polished as people think he is, but I love him. I want him to be good. Mm -hmm. I think defensively he's okay. You know, he, he helps out and blocks some shots. He could be better on defense. He could be a better rebounder. It's all balanced,
1: man. It really does. I mean, I know I was joking about the falling over stuff, but like, I know what you're talking about, those like little lefty hooks. Yeah. When he misses sure. those, it's because he's not he's off like balance. it's totally yeah, off balance yeah. every time. He plays yeah. a little
3: yeah. out of control. Mm-hmm. So I like him. Everyone else loves him. I like him. I want him to do well. I love that he attacks mm-hmm. all the time, attacks the rim. He likes that he can handle the ball because he can, surprises people. But when you said uh it would be great if he shot 38 or 39 percent from three i don't think he's capable of yeah. that i would take 36 percent in a sure. heartbeat mm-hmm. because i I think last year he went through a stretch where he couldn't hit a three it was yeah. like a few That's, games it yeah. was like oh my lord he does the little shrug yeah. you know how he's a touch it. shot so it's yeah. easy
1: to fall it's easy to get hot like last night or saturday yeah. night and it's easy yeah. to get cold i think for an extended stretch Today's show is brought to you by the GameTime app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy. So you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the game time app. Download the game time app. Create an account and use code DANEMORE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DANEMORE, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Kind of. I also I I couldn't get over the announcers in that game. (laughs) So another question. My my other question I wrote down was what was up with those announcers? Whatever they called him Anthony Towns. I think they thought his last name is Anthony Towns. It's it's not. Um, That's. I can't.
3: I worked with Bill Pito from ESPN, so I can't say anything. I have to be nice, but I I, he was fine. He just was excited about. Luca looking like Wally. That was his big thing. Yeah. In yeah. Half. <laughs> yeah.
1: The, the other thing I said, I was like, okay, whatever, get over it, team. It is getting so common on broadcasts that particularly we, we heard this with the team USA stuff all the time. The Jordan comparisons for ant. I heard Jordan-esque multiple times on there. And that is both exciting. For Wolves fans, right? Because there's an element of it that is like believable. You put some of the side by sides together, you're like, oh, okay, that looks the same. Um, but Craig, I'm just curious, like, what what do you think of when, when these people are legitimately comparing Anthony Edwards to the arguably the greatest basketball player of all time? Is that excitement or like, hey, you guys, come on, like 22. I,
3: I take it as Uh, physically the way he moves where he can drive and then hang in the air. And he's Mm -hmm. pretty smooth. Like he made a jump stop left-handed and he kind of floats a little like Jordan. I would prefer if they said Dwayne Wade, it's less pressure. It's less pressure on Ant. And the thing I, I, the thing about Jordan is uh, besides, you know, how athletic he was and and how uh, competitive he was, his form on his jump shot is better than Ants, it's better than Dwayne Wade, it's better than LeBron James. He had really good form on his jump shot, yeah. and um, but uh, I guess it's the athleticism that they and they don't sure. want to say Dwayne Wade, they just go to Jordan,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's I guess it's, it's, it's not a here nor there. I'm just particularly when it's not again, uh, Jim and Grady. I think but.
3: it's more fun to say. Jordan esque, it's fun yeah. to say the it's ending of the Wade <laughs> yes. esque, yeah. The
2: double, the double E of Wade esque doesn't yeah. quite roll off the tongue as easily. Yeah, yeah.
1: Chris, you know what I, I've noticed as uh, skill development, new skill, and uh, mm-hmm. ant from from Team USA to even and uh, some of the stuff we've watched now. I let like ant remember like Ryan Saunders' year. Ryan was always hammering ant, He's like downhill, downhill force dunk, right? Like because mm-hmm. that was nineteen year old ant That was his superpower. That that people couldn't dunk. What I'm seeing from Ant now is like when he gets downhill with the dribble, like in kind of traffic, right at like 10 feet from the basket, a crossover, changing the ability to change directions, change hands, get to the Euro step. And he's always kind of had the Euro step, but I'm noticing it like with the dribble in tight space, that opening up like a whole other level of offensive capability around the rim and that change of pace. That he's putting in there, I think is going to lead to more fouls. Like, if I had an opinion, you know, the, the goal right is Ant getting to the free throw line a lot more. I feel yeah. more confident in the notion that that will happen now than I did when we ended last season. By far, I mean, I think he's going to be a force in there, Craig. I or Chris, sorry, sorry. <laughs> double C's.
3: I was, I, you know I, me, I was, you know me, man. I'm Craig, normally Craig, one
2: guess. If, if you got, if you got, go. Yeah. You go I was
3: ready, go. Coach. I was ready. <laughs> Fire away. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no, he has to, I I wonder why he doesn't get to the line. Does, is it because they think he's initiating the contact or what? He he's a, big. Could be. Big. Yeah. He, Could he got be. A he's technical. right. He's big. He's, he's, yeah. he's
2: muscular. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Cause these other guys, I don't understand like the James Harden and these guys, they get, they get to the line all the time and it's nauseating to watch. <laughs> right. And, uh,
1: we're not asking for that type of getting to the line, like the slow down and the Trey right. Young head jerk. but the, but Ants just normal force, and like a little bit more willingness, I think, at the rim to take the contact rather than try and like glide away from it to shoot it. Like yeah. a little bit more initiation on that. I think, I think that's mean, a that's, good point. Right? You I know what know. I'm saying? Like like, like like
2: he he's not he's not trying to avoid the contact, so therefore when contact happens referees are maybe more uh e- i think so just right? allowing it a little more because yeah. he's not trying to avoid it so yeah i i feel like it's similar in a way to like how the wolves have always complained about how cats officiated it's like you know cats using his size his frame to try and not, not necessarily bully his way in there but he doesn't shy away from the contact he's in some ways, maybe even creating the contact, but a defender is still mm-hmm. impeding his progress to the basket. As a result, it's just that he's not trying to avoid it. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I think I see a similar thing with Ant, where the willingness to take on the contact is is higher than the guys that get fouled at a, at a higher rate.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and you know, Ant, Ant doesn't really embellish either you know he's he, he embellishes audibly with the with yeah. you know hey. he, does, he, he doesn't embellish uh in terms of his movement though right like he he he, he still plays like he still plays it straight up he's not trying mm-hmm. to flop he's not trying to draw a foul with just cool you know extravagant arm movements or whatever mm-hmm. he just he just yells
4: uh, right. that's
2: his way of trying to draw a foul and refs are not
4: as we've seen, a refs forward.
2: do not fall for, have not fallen for that for the past year. So the yellow he's, got to, he's got to try something else. And he's, and he's got to, he's, yeah. got, he's also, that was something that reminded me early of last year when he would yeah. get, a, when he got a bunch of texts in the first half of the season, mm-hmm. he, he would get up and start clapping at the ref, which is like an easy, automatic technical for, right. for referees. Like he cut that out in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I thought he was going to get suspended for getting, you know, yeah. 16 texts or whatever the number is. Right. Um, but then he stopped well short of that. Um, but yeah, he, I, I, th- I really do think it's, it's the, his just willingness. That's the football player in him a little bit is the willingness to mm-hmm. absorb the contact and, and not necessarily avoid it.
1: Craig, last question. How many wins Ooh. Does this team have? And it's probably related to Ant, right? I mean, it's related to everything Chris and I were saying there of like how many of those boxes checked. It's like you get a couple wins per, per those boxes. Uh, where where do you see him taking this team?
3: Good question. Uh, I I all, I often say when people they want the number of wins, I, yeah. I just say I want to finish in the top four. But yeah. I don't know what's. Let's see. Without being greedy and not knowing how competitive the West is. Um, that's the, that's forty eight
1: That's the hard part, right? It's Yeah, like,
3: forty-eight, forty-nine. I don't know. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take that. I'll and take and what do you
1: think that would be? The four?
3: Well, I just want to get to the fourth spot, and I just can't <laughs> tell. But you, you're a hundred percent right about the Lakers because the people are talking about the Lakers, and after the trades last year, I really liked their because yeah. I, I, I've always had a lot of respect for Anthony Davis, and mm-hmm. Austin Reeves has come into his own. Uh, the Siren is in Minneapolis, not in. <laughs> not in Los Angeles, by the way. I didn't um, get to
2: the mute button in time there. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
3: but uh, yeah, I, I I'd like close to fifty. I'm just not being greedy by saying fifty. You know,
1: Chris, you haven't written your prediction yet, have you? No, I haven't. Do, do you have a way you're leaning? I, I haven't. I haven't said honestly. Forty
2: nine was my number two. Really? um, I I, I I and I like. I I think the four seed is very reasonable. Um, and I and I said this. I said this on Rand's podcast and uh, to random people that ask me as well. Is like, I think they could be a very good regular season team. Like, I think top four in the West. It it also doesn't equate to being the fourth best team in the West because I I have a lot of questions about how the various teams are going to make their way through the regular seasons, such Mm -hmm. as the Lakers, such as the Warriors, such as the Clippers, such as the Suns. Mm -hmm. Like with all the with all the veterans who are injury injury prone load management days what have you how they're just going to approach their various regular season slates and really in my mind I think the only the only two teams that I really like to finish above the Wolves are the Nuggets and the Kings outside of that outside of that I don't like I don't. I, yeah. I think Memphis because Jaws not going to be there mm-hmm. for twenty five games, and Tyus Jones isn't there anymore. Like, what's Memphis going to look like? Well, here's the thing. Season? I mean, we could we How could poke a hole. Stack right. We could poke right. a hole
1: in every one of these teams. Like Nuggets coming off the championship, Lakers, mm-hmm. LeBron teams never really hit full board during the the season. Grizzlies don't have John ja Morant. Phoenix has the new star team coming together. How does that acclimate? Mm-hmm. Do Kawhi and Paul George play? Apparently load management is fake news now or not. I I don't really know. Like, there's all these, right. these, these questions with it, which my thought that I've just been kind of honing in on this is just lumping it all together more in the West. Just a, yeah. not a big difference mm-hmm. from one. Or maybe, I bet you one team, odds are, pulls ahead of pulls it. Ahead. I don't really yeah. know who that yeah. is. But, like, honestly, two through eight, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not that big of a gap. And I think to Craig's point, like, I think I'm kind of predicting the same thing, which is like in the conversation for the four seed when I say 47 wins, but maybe I'm just condensing the the West together a little bit more than than you two are when you say four. I think we're saying the same thing, just viewing the Western Conference differently, if that makes sense.
3: I have a couple questions. So the, the the Nuggets lost. Uh, what's his name? Bruce Brown is that his name? Yeah, mm-hmm. he was pretty important off the bench. But um, um, I guess my two questions are the, about the Clippers and the Suns. So I still don't understand that the Clippers have a great coach and they have a lot of talent. But for some reason, I and I have friends out here who are Clipper fans, and they just kind of. They're kind of, no, they're not. The Clippers are just going to be okay, which doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. <laughs> and <laughs> then and then I want to know about the Suns because, you know, I have a lot of respect for Durant. He's older. I have a lot of respect for Devin Booker. Uh, what's his, What's the guy's name? The center's name? Nurkic. 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 Yeah. Uh, I know his name. I just couldn't remember how to pronounce it. I wanted to say mm-hmm. nerf, it, nerf it or something. <laughs> but anyways, um, who's the point guard? And, you know, right. how good are the Suns going to be? Cause I, they could be really good regular I, season. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of think they will be, but open question there. Right. It, it's kind of it, it, weirdly, it's sort of related to the shake Milton thing we were talking about earlier. Like, do you need to be a prototypical point guard in today's right. game to be effective as the initiator? I, I, I think that helps to have that option on a team and they don't really have that at all. I'd at least like that can they get a second unit point guard? So sometimes you have it. Um, but I, I'm generally speaking open to the idea that some combination of Beal and Booker handling that with Katie initiating plenty of possessions himself, that that can work. And I know that the major pushback, and I think this is just like overly simplified. is like, well, let's look at the last X amount of super teams that have flopped miserably, like the Clippers, like Brooklyn, um, I think so much of that, those failing, particularly Brooklyn had to do with personalities. And while I don't know Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, I just feel more confident about those personalities meshing more so than I did about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Right. Um, But I'm in general, like I'm a sucker for a bunch of talents in one place. (laughs) And like, if I think you have a good coach, which I think Phoenix does. Oh, he's uh, great. Vogel, he's like, great. I, I don't know. I mean, they might ultimately be my one seed uh, per- prediction in the Western Conference. But, again, holes to be poked in that, too. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's a that's where I'm at. Completely new team. That's where I'm at. I, completely I just, new
2: team. I just, I just don't know. And, and that's why I say four seed for the Wolves and Denver, Sacramento, and then one other team finishes ahead of them. Mm-hmm four seat feels reasonable to me. Yeah,
3: Why are you guys avoiding the most talented young team in the West? The OKC. Thunder?
2: <laughs> Listen, they're going to be a lot of fun as usual. Um, I, who knows? Who knows? I, 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 I just how much of a step are they going to make this year? Are they going to make a huge step, a small step? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You know how good People... is Chet? How good is Chet? How
3: healthy can he be? Um, People always ask me, Craig, who did you play like? Well, I was a, I was a more of a pure shooter, but I played just like Josh Giddy. That's <laughs> who I played.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think there be, I, to, I, and I actually just like have enjoyed following the Thunder. I think they're a cool story, but I, I think with both Oklahoma City and Sacramento, they kind of kicked their coverage a little bit last season, and maybe that doesn't like, totally pop with the Thunder who won. Only forty games, but like I baking in another like eight, seven, eight wins for them seems a little excessive to me when I think that maybe they weren't a 40 win. Like the Wolves. When the two years ago, when the Wolves went 46 games, I don't think they were a 46 win team, the Pat, Pat Bev year. Like I think that was like I always said I think that was like a 42, 43 win team. I think that's kind of like what the Thunder were last year. And I think to some extent, that's what the Kings were also and the main reason there being they got, they were very healthy and yeah. that maybe misrepresented them a little bit though. You know, we don't know. And that's why it's fun. And I'm just excited that the West is, is packed like this and that we can't have a strong opinion, Craig. Um,
3: the, just to let you know, and you, maybe you realize this, but the national media and the friends that I know, they just, as we were talking about the wolves locally, hopefully finishing in the top four, they keep saying nationally, Oh, plan, they're going to fight for the plan again. Yeah. Right. And I just wanted to say, as we don't want that. But the last two years, the get, were the most exciting games. The home game with the Clippers, yeah, <laughs> when they took Cat out of the game and Dino went off and Ant played well, and then the OKC game was like so cathartic. So it, Beat it's, their fun. Ass. Yeah. it's fun basketball for the fans, but it would be more fun, obviously, if we finish <laughs> in the top four.
1: <laughs> Chris, wrap it up with uh with your with your Frazier question. Oh yeah,
2: uh, you know, in honor of of Craig's questions on his podcast. Uh, top five Fraser episodes.
3: Well, oh boy, I don't know if I can do it, but I'll just off the yeah. top of my head yeah. and you'll yeah. probably know the names of them or what, or what they call mm-hmm. them or whatever. So I try to think of the ones I showed my brother. Um, um, this was not a top five, but this is a funny one. Do you remember when they took the class from the guy about the motor about the, the shop? Engine? The shop class, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Yep, yep, we're yep.
3: here early, and we're sitting early. <laughs> we're already here, and all that kind of stuff. I love that one. That, that's not my favorite, but that was a, one of them. That, I
2: forget what that was called. That's in season nine, though. I know that for yeah. sure. Yeah.
3: Okay, yeah, so yeah. um, I always like the ones there. There, it turns out to be like a British farce where they're they're at the the condo. um, and um but they had gone to uh they gone to the opera and they came back and and then Frazier the guy what, what's the the, the the it was mark helgenberger yes yes okay, this what, is called what?
2: this is called the um out with dad it's called it's from yeah. season 7 written by joe keenan who wrote a lot of my favorite yeah. Frazier episodes and martin has to pretend that he's gay because he let down fraser's dates mother by saying right. that he was gay
3: yes right. yes so yeah. when they do that stuff and mm-hmm. and i i love it this one is also a little like that it's it's when the uh the old boyfriend of daphne who was an underachiever comes over and now he's he's done very well and they're playing a game and you know ross and and uh daphne go after each other um yep and i i I so I enjoy the ones where it's also, oh,
2: also also a Joe Keenan written episode that's the season four premiere you're talking about that one that's on my list of
3: think
2: I think that's called uh, what's that one? I think it's called the two Mrs. Cranes or something like that. I think that's that episode title.
3: um there was one I showed uh my brother and and the family, and I just don't remember, but it was um when um babe uh, uh babe neworth came back she was wearing the mini dress and she came out to seattle and they and she was in the uh the condo i just don't remember
2: uh, uh was it was it when she slept with niles i don't
3: think it's that one it no, wasn't that, that one? one okay okay yeah uh but but i can't remember what happened i just remember i said you got to see this but you know, she she had a funny line where she's I thought I'd go I you know her hair I, playful. I chose playful. I chose something. playful to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um uh yeah, I'm I'm forgetting some. Can you give me give me a couple that I'm really You you you,
2: you, you hit you hit a, a bunch of mine like uh that one's literally I think that one you're talking about is literally called the show where Lilith comes back. It's from okay. the, it's from season 1. Okay. Um the the Out With Dad from season 7 is is a favorite of mine. The two Mrs. Cranes also a favorite. There there's one from the last there's a couple from the last season that actually I think are just fantastic episodes. Their last season to me was one of their best. Um the one where Patrick Stewart comes back and plays oh, yeah. comes in yeah. and plays a an opera director. Oh, oh and yeah. oh, and he tries to date Frasier because yeah yeah through through a series of misunderstandings. Frazier is, like, accidentally outed on this radio show.
3: Yes. Wait, 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 wait. That's not the one where he's wearing the tight tennis shorts.
2: It is the one where he's wearing the tight tennis shorts. That one is
3: unbelievable, but I thought (laughs) it peaked when he was down in the gay bar and they... (laughs) Take me home when Niles is yelling, take I'm me. I'm begging home. with you, please take me home. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that one is really good. That's the, the uh, doctor is out. That one. Oh, awesome. I should say when I fell in love, I, I loved how they dragged out the whole Daphne Niles thing. I, I can watch that stuff all the time. But when she danced and put her leg over his shoulder when they were at the ball together, uh the charity dance. That yeah. that was that was pretty amazing.
2: That's uh that's season three moon dance that one's called they won a writing emmy for that episode oh
3: yeah moon dance that's right
2: dance it's called yeah yeah yeah. that was that's that's what the the emotional touches of that episode are are so are just so brilliant and david hyde pierce was just so heartbreaking in that episode yeah it's one of my favorite performances from him yeah um and another favorite performance of mine an episode that stands out um ham radio is is like the fan consensus uh <laughs> favorite episode frasier puts on for dane and the audience that the Fraser puts okay. on a radio a radio drama yes. at uh KCL like a yeah. old time mystery radio drama and it just goes haywire oh, yeah. when when they when they actually do it live on the air um it, it, it there's helium balloons involved and Niles changing his voice and playing multiple characters and getting pissed at Frazier for how he's directing it. It's just, it's just the, probably the all time classic Frasier episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that that's high on my list, but the other one, the other David Hyde Pierce, uh, like if, if I could sum up David Hyde Pierce in, you know, an eight minute segment, which is what this was, the two Valentine or the three Valentine's episode from season six, where, the episode is broken up into three acts. Um one is uh Frazier has a date, uh and uh Daphne and Martin are like out on Valentine's Day, like talking about their relationship. But eight the first eight minutes of the episode is David Hyde Pierce basically doing silent physical comedy in Frazier's apartment. Yeah. As he's getting ready for a date. Yeah. And and the, the apartment catches on fire.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I catches on that. fire yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: and everything. And it's just That is David Hyde Pierce, like at his at his best, like just all almost all physical comedy, just awesome writing, awesome directing, and just a hell of a performance, like just amazing.
1: Can I interject one thing in here? (laughs) (laughs) Because because I'm thinking about this from the listener standpoint. Who I know this about Chris is he is his brain is like. Excel spreadsheet of like pop culture. And I don't know if you know this skill that Chris oh, has, no. Craig, but, but we're going to put him on the spot here. No, not, pick, this. Yes, not this. Can you pick a date, Craig, any date, like month, the date, the year, in the last, what, 25 years, Chris? About 25 years, yeah. Pick pick any date. That That's the only preamble I'm giving
3: you. <clears throat> Sounds like I'm talking to Jerry Lucas here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that do you know that that is? He Jerry Lucas played for the Knicks. I was gonna say the old he
2: coached for a while too, right? I Jerry don't remember him coaching, coached.
3: but he was uh he was he played at Ohio State, he played for the Knicks, but he could memorize the phone book. He had this memory Ooh. where he memorized the new the new Chris York isn't City.
1: quite that level okay of this, but it it's this is this one this is close. So just give me a uh, date. Give me a day.
3: So I am going to say November twenty-fourth. Uh
1: 2006 okay. okay what chris's skill is is you can give him any date and he will tell you what the number one song in america oh. was on the billboard hot 100 so the date was november 24th 2006 i'm gonna look it up here chris i will give you time to think about
3: that's an unbelievable. Answer. oh I hope my goodness
1: I did. All right,
2: so so my, my mind goes through, like, where was I in time at that particular moment and what was yep. popular? So that would have been my sophomore year of college. So what was popular in the fall of 2006? And that was about the time when, like, Akon was, like, really hitting it big. I think Beyonce had Irreplaceable out, but I think that was a little later. Um, Justin Timberlake. Had also put out his huge album, so it's like it's going to be one of those guys, one of those people, I think. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go I'll with Justin. Timber- I'm going to go with Justin Timberlake. My love, as the as the
1: as the song. Ladies and gentlemen, the correct answer is Justin Timberlake. My love, featuring. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we didn't. We didn't. Set that up, this. we gave we gave Chris or we gave Craig the uh opportunity to So how does that work?
3: I just googled it and it says November twenty sixth, November twenty-sixth, two thousand and six. <laughs> Number one song is I Wanna Love You Acon, but maybe it's okay. a different chart.
2: It could be a different chart. Yeah, you gotta you just have to make sure you're on the hot one hundred and not like oh, okay. the, the pop radio chart or the mainstream right. top right, 40 on- chart. Yeah, I'm you yeah.
1: billboard.com. on you're, okay. you're on the Hot 100. Yeah, yeah but, yeah. They, but,
2: but oh. Billboard has a number of different charts, and depending on which one, right. you're if
1: we would have got the answer wrong, and we would that that would have been the actual
3: <laughs> answer, we would have <laughs> given <laughs> them credit there. Too. So they, that's amazing. They, yeah, that they, is amazing. Love
2: you was also like circling so, the top spot at that time too.
3: The, the, yeah. the problem yeah. is yeah. when I when I uh, at some age in my 30s. I stopped listening to top forty, and it, I didn't listen to. I know it was in the nineties. I, I listened to music in the eighties, all that stuff, all the British, you know, New Order and Furs and all that stuff. Kate, I loved Kate Bush running up that hill years ago. Yeah, uh, but then I stopped listening to the top uh, the, the top forty, and someone said, "You know, uh, Boys to Men has the number one song in America," <laughs> and I had never. And I had never heard it, and i go i'm I'm done with top forty music yeah. I'm done. so in the nineties, I didn't listen to any of that stuff in the nineties, yeah
2: the voice to know was inescapable for me growing up in the in the nineties yeah. uh, and uh yeah, they set the they set the record with my girl Mariah sixteen weeks, yeah at number one until old town road came along so
3: i don't it. I know you're a big Mariah fan, and I know she has a a booming voice, mm-hmm. but I don't really listen to her except um one of her songs is just tremendous and i listen to it because i i love it but um what's i want to ask you if it's one of her biggest songs but sure. um um i just to remember the name of it here <laughs> you know bobby Womack's on the radio what's oh that? we we
2: belong we together we belong together
3: is yeah. that is that one of her top songs it was
2: yeah it was her big comeback song in 2005 like her career had hit a little a little lull from the whole yeah. glitter fiasco yeah. And that song, that song was number one for fourteen weeks in the summer of two thousand five. It's it's still one of the longest running number one hits yeah. of all time. And that was like her huge comeback song, like put it back on the map. Yeah. Her album that year was the biggest selling album of the year. Like that was that was the that was a song that single-handedly rejuvenated her career. Okay. Like for for this little later peak. Absolutely. Have you guys
3: ever heard of a song called Georgie Porgy by Toto?
2: mm-hmm okay that i have not heard
3: maybe it's funny it, it's one of those things where i could care less about toto but georgie porgy has a little bit of it, the way it's written is a little different and um uh, i heard it a few years ago uh in uh, i was in the desert and they have a lot of live music out in the palm springs area and this this guy played georgie porgy uh toto and uh i just i couldn't believe it so now it's it's you know songs from your childhood that are really good. You know, I, I think you might know one of my. I, I listen to Miles Davis. I listen to Bill Evans. I like my jazz. I I listened to soul music growing up. I didn't listen to white rock and roll, but um, I have a uh, a guilty pleasure some songs. And the funniest one is this one hit wonder. Cheesy. But I would get me psyched before I played basketball. I'd listen to Barry White, let the music play, and I'd listen to this called "Into the Night" by Benny Martonis.
2: Oh, I know this song.
3: <laughs> Is that you know how he just? Leaves I know it that on the song. Floor at Yeah, absolutely.
2: Just yeah. like he lets it all out. That's yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's me a psyched. That's a fantastic song. Now
3: I twenty six a game at Hastings.
2: <laughs> Into the night. <laughs>
3: fueled uh, by into that, the night, that's such a that's such, a that's such a that's such
2: a quintessential song of that time like yeah i think i think yeah. of all the i think of the production and the sense and like, I'm yeah. like yeah that's 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 very of its time but have you ever awesome. seen
3: that you ever seen that thing on youtube where those two people this this guy and this girl uh listen to a song for the first time an old song for the first time
2: Yep. Like, like
3: those, they listen to Wild. I, 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 I watch.
2: I watch the. I watch those videos a lot. Like yeah. those reaction videos to older music. Yeah, yeah. They go.
3: This is not. Oh, this is Wild Cherry. Play that funky music. This is good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced they have heard these songs before. They're like they scripted what? out their reactions. You think it's scripted? I think it's scripted. I think it's scripted. It reminds me of like one of my favorite little Wolves videos. They you remember when Andrew Wiggins listened to Michael Bolton? Yes. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. That, 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 <laughs> that was hilarious. That's pretty
1: good. Yeah. Is that what he said? He goes, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, good. Good. Yeah.
2: That was pretty good. He was like lost in a trance for five uh, seconds. Yeah,
1: that so that great. Was, that was funny. Um, all right, guys. Uh, this was awesome. Craig, appreciate you, uh, you popping on here. Thank man. you, man. you well, Craig. Th- next time we'll have, we'll, we'll choose a random year and a random position on the roster <laughs> and see if you can pick out like the backup small forward <laughs> in 1994. That's probably Oh, save it, save it, <laughs> save it, save it. Uh, Craig, do you want to uh, let people know where they can uh, find your podcast?
3: The Life Gorgeous on YouTube uh, and every Apple, Spotify, everywhere. iHeart, the Life Gorgeous podcast, and I really enjoy my Instagram. I actually have more fun on my Instagram than anything. But uh, Mr. Craig Kilborn on Instagram. Awesome. Um.
1: And and Chris, you were actually featured in an article on the Ringer uh or a quote in in there about this this <laughs> new fandom. uh yeah. yeah about your fraser fandom and how that i i thought it was cool just like because i have an idea of what your like life looks like on the road traveling and how yeah. you kind of talked about fraser being your all right i'm back from the game at midnight or whatever yeah. and i have a flight at six in the morning and that's like I know that feeling like that anxiety eases, eases my anxiety oh, I yeah, took exactly. yeah. particularly yeah. if I'm on the road and I have like a flight next morning I am mm-hmm. I like do not trust myself that my alarm <laughs> Like I put it across the hotel room yeah you need a little Frasier to, uh, to to calm you down and
2: unwind yeah. maybe
1: maybe I'll I'll try that out this year but anyways uh, what, what was the name of the article on the ringer sorry um it had to do with
2: people I forget the, the headline of it, but it had to do with people that fall asleep watching the show Fraser. Um, so <laughs> you, you just kinda Google that, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah.
1: Um and then and
2: obviously- go to the Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Please subscribe, everybody. Absolutely. I want to keep traveling. <laughs> so yes. Please yes.
1: subscribe. <laughs> and you'll and you'll be on the uh you'll be on the road here soon with yes. uh, starting in Toronto. Yep. It's like a a week away,
3: almost. Week and a half away. Yeah, I can't Hope believe. Either. I can't believe. Is the home opener Jimmy Butler? It is unreal. Yep. You gonna get out here? Not for that, but I, I'll be watching. I don't. I don't like Jimmy.
1: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but I mean, we got to laugh at the media day stuff, though. The hair, like oh, that. That's I just. Don't know. I don't or, I don't know if it's like laugh mm-hmm. with or at or just be like, that's an interesting dude. I, I appreciate Jimmy's place in the the Chris the pop culture of the NBA. Like, yeah, Jimmy has he been... occupies
2: a unique space for sure. Yes, yeah. yes,
1: and yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> did what he did to the Wolves, but uh, a unique character, and uh, it'll be that will be a very a very fun game for the home opener. Um, he's Craig Kilborn. He's Chris Hine. Thank you guys uh, for doing this. I will talk to you both soon. Chris, I'll see you at practice in a little bit. And Craig, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Uh, Until next time, he's Craig, he's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?